Hey guys, welcome to episode three of the Real Estate Leadership and Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Powell. And today we have a very special guest and a good buddy of mine, Adam Gain from Gain Financial. Adam is an incredibly successful investor and strategist when it comes to all things investing. Um, his company, Gain Financial, and the staff that, that are, are involved in his organization are so effective at helping us create defensive strategies when we are looking at investing. So Adam not only invests in real estate, but he has also some incredible insights on whole life insurance policies. And one of the aspects of his business is actually being a personal CFO to people who are looking for financial help. So I hope you guys get as much out of this uh, episode as I did. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and enjoy. Hey, everybody. I am here with a very special guest and a good friend of mine, Adam Gain. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, for coming on and joining us on the podcast. Um, it's uh, I think you're you're going to have some incredible insight, and I'm really excited for uh, for our listeners to kind of hear what you have to say because it's um, it's a more whole like uh, outlook on I guess investing on legacy, uh, you know, you're a leader within your own right. So I want to give you a little bit of an introduction, but I also want to turn the introduction over to you at a certain point to maybe go into a little bit more detail about what exactly you do. So Adam, you are the CEO of Gain Financial. And so your company and what you do, you um, you effectively are a financial coach. And you guys have kind of coined this term of like a family CFO for your clients. And so I know for myself, like we use Adam and his his organization. I have referred you to personal friends. You guys have helped my family. I know my brother and my sister-in-law are like super happy with how things have turned out with working with you and just like, you know, being influenced by your wealth of knowledge. So can you go into a little bit more detail on, on what exactly you do and how do you go about doing it? Yeah, for sure. Is it okay if I start with a bit of a history of... of yeah, yeah, please, please. Okay, so... Game Financial, we started in, in 1990. And when I say we, I mean my dad. So my dad, uh, we're starting out of his closet and he did traditional financial planning for about 13, 14 years. And after that time, he realized like his clients aren't getting that far ahead. Yeah, they were progressing. But what he noticed is that, you know, like the the investment advisors were getting rich or, or the banks or like all of these other people that were doing things for the clients and the clients were seeing, seeing a huge or all those benefits, right? So he's like, there's got to be something else out there. And that's where he actually found, he started researching, he found uh, the infinite banking concept. And he, and he was on a call with Nelson Nash. And right away he started, he's like, I got to look into this. And he started going to the States and all of these different education seminars. And he pretty much changed his whole practice. Uh, it, within a year and all of his clients, he started teaching these concepts too. Um, and pretty much everyone started doing the infinite banking concept. Um, so that's where I got introduced to it when I was like 16, 17. I started my own policy when I was 19, got another one at, at 23, 24. Um, and I started teaching all my friends this. And as like Alex and I met in engineering, so we both have that yeah. background. and. And that's how one of the big things we connected with the infinite banking concept. 
Uh, so I, I remember distinctly in university, I think that we started talking about Kiyosaki and his like his library yeah. of books that he has. And then yeah. you're like, have you heard of this concept? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And you gave me the infinite banking book to read. And like, I remember devouring it. And I was like, what is this magic that you're talking to me about? And, uh, and I remember like, it's, it's, it's still kind of a, a, an obscure kind of idea. However, if you just believe in the fact that compounding over time and, you know, being diligent with how you invest your money and save it, we've now, I've got my own policy. I've got a policy for all three of our kids, you know, so this has kind of changed how we look at things and it's a, it's just awesome, but sorry, keep going. Jump in there. I want to get deeper into that because I do feel like there's a huge, like a few really big misunderstandings with the entire concept and strategy around that. Let's, but let's get back into that in a, in a second. Um, so back to the history. Yeah. So we were at that point, I was teaching this to all my friends and then I would just refer them to my dad and he would sell them these policies. And, and then I, eventually I started realizing like, wait a second, I can help people and I never have to tell them they lose money and, uh, I can have like flexibility and I can have my own business and things like that. So it, it ended up turning out that I really enjoyed uh, that type of business and it was a really good fit for me. So I ended up moving out of engineering, going full-time in the business and I took over the business in 2019. Um, and one of the big things I noticed is since we've been doing this strategy for since 2004, so, so, so what's that, uh, um, 16, 17, 18 years, then I realized the clients that my dad had been teaching this to, there was a disconnect on how they could use the policies, how they were integrated into their life and how, like, how do you get a loan? How do you like use third parties? How, like all of these integral things. And the biggest problem I thought facing Canadians and I kind of had a light bulb moment is that there's too many financial people. There's too many financial products. It's hard to make financial decisions. So what everyone needs is a one point of contact that they can trust and they can go to, not to tell them what to do, but to help them understand all their options available to them. And that's why we started calling ourselves the family CFO. And we have an education process that we walk clients through now, and it helps you understand how do I create a plan that will not fail long-term? You know, how do I work on defense first? And if I have my defense in place, I can deal with anything that life throws at me. And then I can have all of this extra money because I'm not having losses. And what we are, one of our, our big concepts is like, we believe that there's much more gain in uh, protecting against the losses than trying to pick the winners. Now, there's so many different winners you can be, but imagine if, if everything that life throws at you, you are ready for, and you're not going to have those losses. That brings more money back to the table to do more things on the offensive side. Well, there's a good quote there. It's, it's not about how much you make, it's about how much you keep, right? Yes. And, uh, and I think that when it comes to things like taxes or when it, you know, you, there's money, especially when you start to, to produce wealth through multiple streams, uh, there is, it's almost like a sieve. You start to get this trickle effect where money just starts to dissipate through certain areas. And if you can clog some of those and you can keep more at the bottom, at the, you know, at the back end, I think that it, it makes a, a huge, huge benefit for sure. So I, I want to start, uh, I want to get into the whole life policy. I want to get into how you, um, uh, you know, you, you help clients. Um, just so you guys know, uh, if you, 
we're going to get get some contact information, of course, at the end too, and where people can find you. But your website has some like, super helpful videos and stuff too, just like as part of like an introductory. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely get people sorted, sorted on that. But I do want to talk a little bit about the real estate side of things, because of course, you also have real estate as part of your portfolio. Um, so how'd you get into real estate? How'd you get into that that aspect of it? And what are your, do you have plans with more real estate coming down the right line? Oh, obviously. <laughs> Uh, yeah, real estate is such a great investment. It's it's something uh, that we talk about with every client, and uh, there's so many different alternatives out there just to the, from the stock market. Uh, you know, we do a lot of you know private mortgages where you can invest in mix, or uh, you can get into REITs and, and doing private equity within some huge firms. But then you could also, of course, the, the biggest money I personally think is have doing it yourself. If you're interested, you have to have a passion for it. You have to want to deal with a lot of stuff that comes up with real estate. And I'm, <laughs> I've, you've told me all these stories as well. So being able to deal with those things, be able to, to handle them, it's going to set you up and, and get you those big returns because there's so much potential in so many different ways. Um, but I, I, our, our belief is having stability first, right? Like if, if all I do is just go in and do all this stuff and I'm constantly leveraging every little thing, Eventually, something's going to happen and you can't handle it. And what happens then? Well, now you got to sell some of your best assets or you got to do something. So we took we take a very long term approach to things and having stability, like just a wealth curve, right? Wealth curves take a long time to get going. If You don't position properly and you don't have patience. You're not going to get to the power phase, which is really exciting. Um, so back to the real estate. I have. Yeah, like I, I've kept every house that I bought, I think was, is big. And, and um, you and I, I think, really agree on cash flow is king. So like when I teach, like I have a lot of young clients and we help them get into their houses. And they, like we get it, get them into houses way earlier than they ever thought because we're leveraging so many different things. We even maybe we'll get the parents involved and say, look, we can make you money and you get to help your kids and they get to get it earlier. But but you probably have to get in an investment property. You have to get a basement apartment or you have to have some sort of other income because the cash flow just won't work. You know, you're paying 2000 a month right now, maybe for rent. And then all of a sudden you're going to 35 to 4,000. But if you have a basement apartment, you can keep your cash flow the same. And then eventually you can move on, keep that apartment, get a new place. And once you do that a few times, then you can have your own place and, and not have tenants. Um, so, so yeah, um, we're, we're definitely go that direction with a lot of clients. I find that in real estate, especially, um, and one of the reasons I love real estate, uh, in comparison to let's say other conventional asset classes is that you can be very creative with real estate. So you can do things like, you know, you, you buy a property and you throw in that car that only runs on three pistons or something like that. You know, like you can do these kind of wheel and deals and you can involve partners in it in very creative ways. And something like, um, you know, right now we know how challenging it is. My younger brother, for example, um, he's going to be married in April. Uh, this is 2024. We're talking April, 2024. But, um, and he's like, well, the next thing is like, my, my goal is obviously to get married then I would like to buy a house and then I want to start a family. And it's like that whole idea of like buying a house because they live in like a one bedroom condo right now. And it's like, they need space. So how do you, how do you navigate that? 
without utilizing some sort of help. And we're lucky enough in the sense that, you know, we're close enough with our family and my parents have been, you know, very helpful through, to us throughout our lives. But these are ways that you can utilize help through different means. I even had a conversation with a, a lady earlier this morning who just wanted to sell her house because she needs equity to go buy another place. And I was like, listen, I can buy your house, but I don't think it's the best thing for you and your family. What if have you tried doing this and this and this? And she's like, oh my God, can you do that? I was like, yeah, real estate's the best. So, so I, I just, I love the creative aspect of it, but it's good that you're able to help broaden people's perspective over how you can go and create a deal because deal creation and formulation, I think is a, a skill set that we've kind of just put on the wayside. We all think that it's conventional. You just buy a property, hope that it cash flows, you know, and, and manage it well. And then that's it. But you can do all kinds of crazy stuff when it comes to real estate. I mean, and just in general, there's so many ins and outs of every little thing. If you're not doing this every day, you're not going to know. And if you For don't sure. know the options, how can you make the best decisions? And so even if you're a smart investor, even if you know a lot, it, like that's why the model we've developed is, I think, where the future is going in financial advising, because even like my clients that are accountants and I'm teaching them things about taxes, like th that's what their education is, right? Like for real estate investors, there's little things here and there that I might pick up from because we can utilize other sources of, of assets that they've never even heard of like the whole life. Mm -hmm. So when you add all those things in and I like, I'm constantly learning from my clients too. That's the great thing is like, so that they tell me one thing and then I bring that out to another client. And uh, yeah, there's so many, I'm trying, I always try to connect clients too. That's, that's, that's the, for sure. The for sure. The, the other thing too, I think that is, it's very, very, very important is that as much as real estate is glorious, we love it. We're passionate about it. It is only one stream. I, there are multiple streams within real estate. However, there is an aspect of diversification that I think is important. Like right now, that's one thing Kaylee and I have really been uh, focusing on is like, okay, well, a lot of our money is in real estate. A lot of our wealth is in real estate. And in order to have, like, and you go to certain financial institutions, like if you go to a bank and these people are trying to sell you a mutual fund, uh, I'm not a big believer at all in mutual funds. I don't know if you agree with that. Um, yeah, it's, it's just like, anyway, but that this is, it's the easiest form of, you know, people trying to get some sort of a return. However, with a little bit of education, they can make such a substantial difference. And I think one benefit that you bring, and it ties in nicely with the idea of like creating legacy is to help people broaden their horizons as to what is available and to balance everything out such that, you know, when you're talking about a defensive strategy, that's the most important thing at any given time there are going to be asset classes that perform better than others, uh, depending on geopolitical unrest, depending on economics at home, you know, depending on all kinds of different factors. So I think it's, it's incredible that you are able, and you personally have the experience in this. It's different when people are like, you know, you should invest in real estate, but you've never done it before. So it's a massive value add for sure to your clients. Yeah, and I, I, a lot of times I take on these projects so that I can understand the ins and outs of doing those things. So, like for instance, um, so my I did what I preach is like I got a, a basement apartment, my 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 house in Barrie, and you know, and then I when I heard about the garden suites, then I started adding one to my backyard, and and so now I've got uh, that place, and of course going through that whole construction 
dealing with um, someone like, I guess, falling on the sidewalk, getting sued, of course, but I have my umbrella policy that I have $505 million of liability coverage. You actually and, got sued by somebody who fell on your sidewalk? Yeah. So I guess our, our guys, oh, didn't put, they just put some gravel and they didn't put any like hazards. And then someone, um, I guess, in a wheelchair, like fell over and then sued the city. And the city's like, well, you took the permits out, so we're suing you. And I'm like, you took on this job. So here you, you go to my contract. But at the same time, I had to put a claim in. Uh, and then my company calls me up. They start looking and they're like, oh, my God, you have a $5 million li- umbrella liability policy. They're like, you don't have to worry about a thing. So it's like. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like, th- these are the things that, like, you start learning. And, like, this year, I put an uh, insurance claim in for my house because I had a septic backup. So I had to redo the whole basement. And, of course, we were able to, I was able to actually make money off that. And then um, I had to put, I just got in a car accident, so I put an auto claim in now. So like those little things that I'm teaching clients about, how do you set up your protection, even in home and auto, uh, it's, it's, I was taught from other mentors, but I don't, I don't have any experience in it. Now I actually have that experience and it was cool to see like everything worked out perfectly. I'm pretty much making money on, on these things. So <laughs> yeah, you should, you should write a book called making money by getting into accidents. By Adam Gay. <laughs> I mean, that's not ideal, but like you gotta make the best. Like it happens, and you're just like, well, something's good, kind of gonna come out of this. I don't know what it Honestly, is. Honestly, it, it's a. Uh, it, that's what insurance is for, and I think a lot of people have a really negative view of insurance because the way you think about a service-related business is that when I'm paying for something, I should get the customer service back, and people don't realize that <clears throat> insurance companies will fight you or they'll, they'll they'll see if if it in fact it is a legitimate claim and so it's very challenging it's very like nerve-wracking when you're dealing with stuff like that is like how do you know that you didn't do something wrong and the insurance company's like no it's not covered we're not dealing with any of this stuff you know it's like that it can keep you up at night if you don't have if you don't have the right padding around you you know yeah and so and, and auto and home insurance is, is a lot like that and i think a lot of people think of insurance as auto and home but I do want to be specific. There is um, income protection or disability income protection, critical illness, life insurance. Those are all, if you get them individually, you get paid out. Like you don't fight. We Like we fight for you. And, and really life insurance shouldn't be called insurance because all insurance are what ifs. Mm-hmm. But life insurance is a win. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Like if we can actually use that to our advantage. Mm-hmm. Um so I always like making that differentiation because the auto and home for sure, they're going to go after everything they can because that's their job. They have to they make money. So I always say like our job is to help you understand how do we get maximum protection at minimum cost? The insurance companies, what they want is minimum protection at maximum cost. Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. So, yeah, we have to, you have to understand the ins and outs and what you can do to, to, to set yourself up for that. And there is a lot of different ways. So uh, this is a good kind of segue into the whole life policy. And if, if for the viewers, um, and can you explain maybe the difference between, let's say, a term insurance life policy, a life insurance policy versus a whole life policy? And then we'll get into kind of the intricacies around it, because I think it's a really, really great vehicle. Uh, and I think very few people understand it and how it operates. Yeah. So I always say there's, there's two types of insurance. There's, there's term and there's permanent term is like renting the house so you don't have equity and you're paying into it and you get a roof over your head you have some coverage but the permanent stuff 
it's typically going to be more uh, premium, but the cost is lower. Just like it's, it might be more money you're putting out to pay for your mortgage and your insurance and all that stuff. But the long-term benefits of owning the house is going to far away renting, especially in Canada. Um, and that's what permanent is like. Now, I also want to be specific because there's two types of permanent. There's universal life and then there's whole life. And universal life is you take on all the risk. You do all the investment. There, there's a lot of ins and outs. I don't think we'll talk too much about universal right now. I'm not a huge fan. It's very rare. I, I don't think I've ever sold one, actually. Um, I think there's a lot of of uh, misunderstanding out there because of the projections you sh you show and and uh, th that they could look really really good. Mm -hmm. But whole life is you're transferring all your investment risk to the, the company. You're getting equity called cash value that grows constantly. It's guaranteed growth inside it, and you can access it with no questions asked. So it it acts as a big hub and a turbocharger to everything else in your financial life. Um, it is not the, it's not that you shouldn't have all your money in there, but you should have a good portion because it helps you in almost every stage of life, especially in retirement, which I think is the biggest thing to understand. So to kind of say it back to you and maybe in a way that I understand it too, for other people, when you're talking about the rental versus equity ownership in a term life insurance, you're paying uh, whatever, 200 bucks a month, and then you turn 40 and theoretically across the statistics of the world, you have a higher chance of dying at the age of 40 than you do at the age of 30. So your premium might go up a little bit to let's say 300. And then when you turn 50, 60, you can see how that trajectory can really rise to a point where I think life insurance companies can probably cut you off, right? Or does that they, exist? They don't quite cut you off. So you can get like a term to 100 or something like that. You can lock in your premiums when you're younger, but then there's mm -hmm. no added benefit. So if you're gonna do that, you might as well just get a permanent. Mm -hmm. um, now, the term that you're talking about, like you can get term 10s, term 20s, and they're going to end at a certain period and they're they're going to offer you a guaranteed renewable. So if you're uninsurable, if you just had cancer or something happened, you can renew your policy, still have coverage. The problem is it's going to like quadruple. It's like the, yeah. the premiums go crazy. Whereas if you can, if you're healthy and you can reapply, we can get the same term, another same term with better rates. But like you said, around 65, the premiums get so expensive that 99.9% .9 of people cancel. So imagine that you start because you're prudent and you're smart and you want to cover because you have a young family or something or of the sort. You're like, I'm going to get some life insurance in case something happens to me. And then you get, you put all this money in between 30 and 65. It's 35 years of just putting money in every single month. And at 65, you're like, oh my Lord, this bill is huge. And forget it. I'm just, I'm done with it. And then you're saying 99% of people cancel their policies at that time. And all that money between that time frame is pretty much just gone, right? Yeah. Not only is the money that the premium that you paid is gone, but the opportunity cost lost on that money is gone. Oh and yeah. The biggest factor. So you, I can add up those premiums. I'm like, wow, that's, that's fine because I didn't pay in the rest and I can invest the difference. But that once you actually calculate your lost opportunity cost of that money, Oh man, things look a lot different. And then yeah. that day that you cancel, that you have a million dollars of coverage, that is the single most day that you disinherit your family, all of that money that they would have got had you kept it. Yeah. Or if you had a permanent policy. And so the life insurance policy works, uh, the whole life insurance policy, and these are the ones that we have, 
I remember when I I had my first premium bill and I was like, oh, like this is a uh, this is tough to swallow. And obviously, you know, I've, I've kept working and I just allocate that amount now every single year. And it's gotten obviously a lot easier to, to be able to do that to the point where we actually now have a setup for our three boys as well. However, that like I'm at the stage right now with my policy as well, because I started like right out of university. I remember it was the first year I was still working uh, in engineering and I we set that up together. And uh, and but that was probably what, 10 years ago, maybe I'm guessing at this point to where my policy now is is creating so so much in dividends that I think that I could op- stop opt out of paying for it and it would kind of cover itself. Can you maybe explain that kind of concept to people as well? Yeah. So with whole life, there's there's different terms that you can buy. So you can pay for ten years guaranteed to stop. You can pay for twenty years guaranteed to stop, or you can do usually life policy. Now it doesn't really matter which one. Well, it does matter because there's like internal cash values and all there's a whole bunch of ins and outs of all of this. But to make it simple, um, all of the policies we sell, which is a specific type of participating whole life insurance policy, um, that the companies produce dividends and you get to participate in the profits, those dividends. Now, they don't guarantee those dividends, but they produce dividends for over 100 years straight, which in itself is just crazy because if you think about the great depression you think about every single depression or recession we've ever been through they were able to create profits and um, it's because they can diversify and they can spread risk over a long period of time so they're not they're giving you a very smooth look and level and that's one of the basis of everything that we teach because if you have a non-market correlated asset that's not going to go up and down that you can rely on that gives you a lot of stability to be able to do the other things in life. And if all of those other asset class aren't working, you still have an asset that will guarantee to grow. Um, so every time you look at it, it goes up. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of the time when like, the pandemic hit. That week, I sent an email to all my clients and I said, just so you know, your cash values went up last week, your cash values go up today, and your cash values go up next week. And you can rely on it if you need if you need help if you need money out give me a call yeah and that's so that's the other concept and the beauty of it and the reason it's looked at as more of an asset is that banks and financial institutions as well as the insurance companies themselves will leverage your policy very similarly than they do a bank like or like a house so yeah. you know we know in real estate like if you need to buy a property, let's just say you need 20% down payment, the bank will provide the 80% because the asset class has the value in it. And they're willing to justify that if worst case scenario, something happens, we still have 80% that if we need to sell this property, we would cover our losses. That's how the bank's thinking. So similar to the insurance company or the banks, like I know our line of credit with our whole life policy is through Scotiabank. We can also change that to, you know, directly go with the insurance company or whatever other financial institution we want to deal with. And they will leverage our policy. And I have a line of credit that's a secured line of credit at a very favorable interest rate. Yeah. Yeah. So just to clarify, there's two main types. You can go third party, what you're saying with Scotiabank, and you could use mm-hmm. your policy's collateral. Of course, there's qualifying. There's, there's, there's TDR ratios you have to go through. But the nice thing with the insurance company is we can go right to them, zero questions asked, money's in your bank account within three to five business days. That's amazing. It's, 
we, we can do that anytime. We can loan up to 90% from the company. Typically, you're around prime plus two, so you're a bit, bit higher than if you do a third-party loan. Mm -hmm. um, but you can access that. You can pay it back. You can let it uh, capitalize. There's zero uh, rules or sorry, zero um, criteria of how you pay it back. You can let it capitalize and, and it pays it the interest itself forever. And then the death benefit pays out the, the, the loan when you pass away and the rest goes to your beneficiaries. Yeah, that's amazing. So it's, it's that life insurance almost guarantee rather than having to worry about like being 65 and being like, now what, what do I do? You know? Yeah. And I think that the, there is a big difference though. And so that people understand is that when you're going into a whole life policy, your death benefit is not going to be the same as it would be if you had a term policy. And that's part of the statistical rationale between when we feel we will pass one day. Right. However, I think that you know, if we are healthy and young or whatever the case may be, and we want longevity and we want to talk about legacy, which is, you know, one of the reasons we started this podcast and how you can be intelligent with your investing so you can create long-term generational wealth. It's, it's an important concept to think about rather than deploying your capital in, in that stream versus the other, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If you, and leg, like there is no better product in the world if you want to create legacy Every time you put a dollar in to that policy, you're creating 10. So you're always going to get out more than you put in, in a whole life policy. So it's impossible. And not only that, it passes to your beneficiaries tax-free. It bypasses probate and it goes to them within 30, 60 days. That's awesome. And it so, bypasses probate. Yeah. It well, goes, of course, they're listed on the beneficiary documents for sure. Exactly. It is. Yeah. It's um, the insurance, the ta the insurance act is a lot different than and it bypasses all that. Well, same as like site funds and things like that. Yeah. No, that's, that's so, amazing. State planning. And I'm just going to mention while we're on that topic, it, like if you have a corporation that the benefits like quadruple, because we can grow that money. It's the only place you can store money in a corporation to grow tax-free. And there's ways if you set it up properly to get all of that death benefit out of your corporation tax-free to your family. That's huge. It is. There's, there's really no other way. So like we do a ton of tax planning and we're working with accountants for legacy and for corporation. Like if you're, if you're selling your company, um, there's a ton of planning within this sector. And, you know, we're, one of my goals is to educate accountants more on this stuff because, because not enough people know about it. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's imperative. And it's, once again, it comes, uh, it goes back to your education and, and you having done a lot of the stuff yourself. So you're not coming at it from just having read a book or, you know, a textbook for that matter. You know, you're coming at it from like, no, no, I have these policies. No, I have real estate. I have corporations. I've done this kind of stuff, which is why we constantly refer you as well. So um, on that is, I, I want to touch on, on one other thing with regards to the whole life policy. Of course, we've set up whole life policies for our children. Um, and I, I want you to talk to people about why that's important or why that's something that that people should consider doing as well. Yeah, there, there's, well, first off, if you're putting money into a vehicle that's going to grow the entire life and never be touched and never be taxed, you can imagine the compounding effect. Compounding typically 15 years looks good. 30 years looks amazing. 60 years looks fabulous. Oh yeah. So, and 
the what I kind of teach my clients, we, we go over, you know, do I put money towards my RESP for my kids or do I put them towards like a whole life policy? And my question is always, what is your goal for your kids? Is it if it is to help them succeed in life and understand finances and make them independent, then saving money in an account that's going to be drained at some point and giving them money, I don't feel is the best way to help them succeed. Mm -hmm. But if you have a place that you can store money and grow for them forever, it can give them all these different options at every different point in their life. You can They can borrow money for their first car. You know, one of my favorite strategies is is buying a house for your child, put the house in their name when they go to school. Now they have to they have to learn all of like insurance, taxes, and then they rent it to their friends. They rent rooms out and then they have them learn management. And then yeah. they pretty much live for free. If there's if there's growth in the over the four years they're there, you can sell the house and pay off all their student debts. And now they have a policy and they have no debt. Yeah. Like that's my favorite strategy if, if it's possible and, and it has to be for the right child that wants to do that well but, we um we we kind of fast forwarded we bought properties for each of our kids already and yeah. it's just not in their names of course they, my oldest is four so but he has no idea but um but that's the thought process is that kaylee and i will be testing their capacity to be able to take it on i want to see a business plan i want to see a budget i want to yeah. understand how you're going to execute on this I want all to know what all the scenarios are of what if your friends decide not to pay or something of that sort. And I want to see it being executed in such a way that it can be, um, uh, you know, um, replicated over and over again. And then whether or not they decide to do real estate, I, as a, as a dad, I don't care if they decide to be whatever they want to be, but they should aim to be the best at it, whatever they plan to be. One undenying truth, though, is that you will never save your way to financial freedom. You'll never save your way to wealth. So you have to lo learn the basics, the fundamental basics of um, of investing in some capacity so that you can get ahead. And so as long as it's like that whole saying of like, you know, teach a, a man to fish, you know, you feed him for a lifetime versus giving him a fish, you feed him for a day. I want to teach my kids how to fish on their own. And then yeah. my expectation is that I've taught them in such a way that they just through osmosis will be teaching their kids. Yeah. And I want to set that up in such a way that it's just, it's ingrained so heavily in them that they think about it completely different. Yeah. And I, I think the best way to do that, or one of the best ways to do it is never give them money, loan yeah. them money under like, because once they, once you understand and once they understand that everything is borrowed money, Right. So everything is you're financing everything you buy. You either borrow for it and pay interest or you take it out of your cash and lose the potential for that money to grow. So yeah. you're, either, you're either paying interest or you're giving up interest. Once you understand that one concept, which is the infinite banking concept in itself, because you can use infinite banking like the actual strategy of borrowing. You can use it in a home equity line of credit. You can use it in a normal loan line of credit. The strategy is understanding that you finance everything you buy. Now, there is going to be times where you have to spend cash and you're going to lose opportunity costs. But the big things, if we can recapture a lot of that interest and we can bring it back to the table, we can do so much more. And um, 
actually have a, a great a story for this. Did I ever tell you about the, the motorcycle story with when I grew up? No, go ahead. Okay. So this is, this is how my dad taught me the concept and we were just getting into infinite banking. So we didn't even have whole life policies at the time. So I was saving up as a kid. I really wanted a dirt bike. And so I was giving my money to my dad. This is when he was doing financial planning and he was investing. It was probably like mutual funds or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I saved up, I think around 1600 bucks and I, I turned 16 and I wanted actual, a motorcycle. I just got my M1 and I found a bike for 1600 and I said, okay, dad, I'm going to go buy this bike. Can you cash in my investments? I'm going to go take this cash and, and go buy it. He says, well, I could do that. Or I could loan you the 1600 bucks and you pay me 5% interest. And it's going to cost you $70 a month for the next two years. And I said, as a kid, you know, like anybody has that scenario, like I have the cash over here or I could borrow for it. I'm like, well, I'm just going to, why would I do that? I'd just spend the cash. He says, well, this 1600 could grow more than you're going to pay back in the interest. The interest over the two years at 5% was only $80. So if my investment did more than $80, I come out ahead. Yeah. And so what we, we did that it made sense to me. I did it. I paid him back the $70 per month and my investment went, it got to 2000 in two years. And so now I have my bike and I have my money and I had more. And so that Voila. is the strategy and do that bigger and bigger and bigger. Do that with houses, do that with cars, do that with any, you can do it with, with producing assets and liabilities. Yeah. But you have to understand the, the inner workings of it. And you have to be an honest banker to yourself to charge interest. I, th- I think that's the probably the the crux of it for the average person is that when you have this capital, it's like, oh, you know what, I'll just use it as part of it. But I know as part of the infinite banking concept book, um, they, they had a story of a guy who obviously buys a car and you have two choices. You can go and you can uh, get financing for the car. However, you can use your infinite banking uh, product. You can take a loan out from that for your line of credit. You can buy the car cash, which will get you more favorable terms to be able to buy the car. However, now you need to pay your policy back because it is a line of credit. And if you pay it back at the same price you would have initially borrowed from the bank, and this is where that discipline comes in, that's where you're paying your policy back, plus you're actually deploying more capital into it. And if you graph that, it goes exponential right? Because you're actually compounding more money and you're not actually taking the capital out of the policy. So the whole time that money is still generating interest. It's like you literally get to have your cake and eat it too. And that's the, uh, that's the beauty of it all. Yeah. It's such a great concept to especially get, get kids to start understanding, get them to do little things with that, like that motorcycle. Like that was like perfect for me to really understand it. And as I grew and I started learning and getting deeper into this, what I realized is that if I spent cash, if I took the 1600 bucks out and I went and bought the bike and I took the $70 per month and I put it back into my investment, earning the same rate of return, I would have that $2,000 still. Mm -hmm. It's the same either way. But what we're doing when we do this strategy is we're taking the human factor out of the equation because it's so much easier to pay back a debt, $70 per month, because if I didn't have that 70, I'm taking it somewhere else and I'm going to pay my dad. Whereas like, if I don't have it or if I'm not making it, I'm not going to take the 70 and save it. Right. So, and, and we're charging that extra interest. So it's making you, it's actually like a forced savings is the real power of this. 
And of course, if you can do things like you just said and get incentives here and there, and you can, you can get a, a rate bump uh, on how much you're contributing extra. Yeah. That's a good idea too. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I, I do think, and this is just like a forecasting, I would want to have you on the podcast more frequently on some other episodes too, and doing deeper dives on a lot of these little things. I think that would be super awesome to, to do that kind of stuff because I think you're just an absolute wealth of knowledge when it comes to this stuff. But um, just in in, uh, in in the respect of time, of course, um, of course, leadership is one of our other uh, of other prongs to this whole idea. And you're you're a CEO of an organization here, and what do you do to instill legacy and and leadership qualities within your team? Like, what does that look like when you're talking about financial education and you're talking about how people perceive you as a leader? Well, we have a first off, like business is all about systems to me. Like, I'm a big systems guy and engineering. You know, we want processes. Um, and so I think like leading by example, first off. And um, so like, I also, right now I have a new employee we, that we hired this year and her and her uh, fiance are going through our process. And, you know, I'm paying her to do that because I want her to learn uh, these things. And eventually she, <clears throat> she came from the insurance world and she didn't really want to sell. And then she comes into our business and she said, Oh, you guys aren't selling. You're just teaching people. She's like, I can see myself doing this. So what, and we do all those, so there's constantly like education on every piece. I, I try to bring them into as many seminars as possible. You know, I give, uh, we also implement a, a few, like we're, we, we try to give as much as possible. So we spend a couple hours a week, um, like giving back. So I, like I coach, uh, our other junior coach, he coaches badminton. I coach volleyball. Um, we're, we also have set up an accounting system so that 3% of all revenue goes into this account. And then all of us get to give it, we get to give it to wherever we want. You know, this year we know the food bank is really struggling. So we were going to give a bunch of money there. Um, so there's some organizations to vary, but we also have given to, um, a company that, that helps a lot of, um, people understand finance. I think I forget what the name of the company is, but they, they work with, um, people like on the streets or, or anyone that really wants to learn and, and start setting up their finances uh, and they don't have the money to actually start, then this company is kind of there as a, as a non, non to help them. So I like giving to stuff like that, where it's, it's going to increase our, our financial abundance worldwide and uh, well, at least in Canada for now. Um, so stuff like that, education's huge. Um, we do like little stuff. Like, you know, I try to get them to do acts of kindness so random acts of kindness. And then they get little incentives for doing that for our clients, you know, um, just awesome. Yeah. It, it honestly, I, I find the, and the more and more I have conversations around leadership and, and, you know, in its entirety, I, I, yeah, I start to see similar traits across it. And this is why I think selfishly speaking, it's very valuable to hear these kind of insights because, you know, success repeats itself in certain, in certain ways. And this is one of them is where you, um, you know, where, where you actually give back into your employees' lives. You're teaching them how to be generous. You're teaching them financial education. I think that that has an exponential effect for their lives as well as your business. Your business will prosper by, you know, creating that abundant lifestyle, right? And I think that's awesome. So um, one thing I will say, just 
in conclusion, I am a super proud of you, man. You've been just crushing it in this in this industry. I always love having chats with you. I really appreciate how well you take care of all the people we refer to you. Uh, so, and we'll keep them coming. Um, and hopefully uh, people get inspired by this conversation and, uh, and want to reach out to learn more as well. So on that, if people do want to reach out, how's the best way they can get a hold of you? I think going to our website is, is the first, that's kind of like the business card these days. Um, yeah. we're also, we've got videos on YouTube. So explain a lot of these things we've talked about, we're adding more, uh, very soon. Um, we're actually going to, so, be- so what is your website uh, address? Just so we know. So it's g-a-n-e financial.com yeah we'll put it in the show notes too but just so people listening can uh, can understand as well same as on youtube you can find us gain financial um so lots of uh, content there and then you can just email us at uh, dream uh dream at gainfinancial.com anytime so we do have right. that stuff on our website as well uh and if you want to chat what we do we typically do a 15 minute chat just to see if we can be of value to you. And if, if, if it works, if you want to go through a process or if you just want the strategy, we can go multiple ways. Uh, but we do offer a one hour kind of complimentary to, just to show you everything that we do, how we work with clients and what's the vision look like going forward. And then you can choose what's best for you. Amazing. Amazing. Well, as I said, I would love to have you back so we can go into some more detail on some of these concepts and, uh, and learn yeah. a little bit more from you for sure. But thank you once again. It's a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Thanks, guys, for joining me on today's episode of the Real Estate Leadership and Legacy Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and please check out some of our other videos. We've got an abundance out there. We've got a lot of great insight and information, and we'll see you guys on the next one.